Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. Young people we have. Well, I must admit that it's, um, it's actually hard to recognise a lot of you without a mask on. I'm sort of like looking at your eyes and uh, for the last little while. Uh, does anyone else have false guilt when you come into a building now? You're like, oh, I haven't got my mask. Um, yeah, the last few days I've been like, oh, going, in, like, going into the petrol station, going to the shops, and I'm like, oh, I haven't got my mask. Um, and then walking around the shops, I'm like, I just feel guilty. Uh, although I know that I shouldn't be feeling guilty, I still feel guilty. Maybe it's just me. Uh, but look, I, I realise that there's a, there's a lot happening in the world right now. There's a lot happening in Russia and Ukraine. There's a lot of turmoil. Uh, there's a lot of turmoil around the place, the floods, um, the rain. And so our, our hearts go out for the people that are affected. In fact, um, why don't we just pause and um, lift them up in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I know your heart breaks for people who go through hardship and who are in pain. Lord, we don't always understand. We don't always have a, a clear picture of what's going on. But we do know that you care. Lord, and I just pray right now that you would mobilise your people to respond, that you would stir your church as your hands and feet into a place of action. And Lord, maybe it's prayer, maybe it's whatever it is, Lord. Would your people be faithful and obedient and to pray and press into you for what your plans are? Lord, we, just, we want your kingdom to come. Lord, we, we see that in the world right now. And we, we are desperate to, for your kingdom to come. And uh, your will be done, Lord. So we just lift that up, the people up this morning and uh, pray uh, that it would be more than just words, but we would, uh, it would affect our heart and we'd be motivated and moved into action. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Well, uh, today we're talking about uh, perseverance. A faith-filled prayer, what uh, like a persistent faith looks like. What does perseverance look like? And um, the, I love the definition of insanity. And um, the definition of insanity... I haven't got my clicker, so you might have to do my clicking for me. Um, uh, the definition of insanity is to, to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result. And uh, sometimes in my prayer life, I feel like I'm insane and um, I feel like I'm just playing over and over and over again, expecting change, and sometimes I'm just not seeing it. And instead of going insane, I normally quit. I normally stop or, or change or try to, try to work things, thanks Matt, works things differently. And I don't know if you're all the same, uh, that we often give up really easily in our prayer life if we don't see fruit of it, if we don't see results. We're like, oh, okay. Clearly, that's not working. Um, and, and so I think this is something for us to, to learn and realize that persistent faith can sometimes feel like banging your head against the wall. Like, I'm persistent and I'm not really seeing things. I'm, I've been praying for this healing and I'm not seeing it. And so we start to, well, maybe you, maybe me, but definitely me, I start to justify and I start to wrestle with deeper questions like, uh, well, God, I don't really understand. I'm trying to understand and I try to work out ways to make this prayer work. Maybe, maybe that's just me this morning, but I think there's, there's a lot we can learn and in the story about the Canaanite woman, it teaches us a lot what persistent faith actually looks like because we're not called to be insane, church. 
Uh, this is a fun fact for you for this morning. We're not called to be insane. We're called to put our faith and trust in God. And it's important that we keep coming back to that. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can turn with me to Matthew fifteen twenty-one. There's an in- incredible, important principles we can learn from this story. Uh, all right, Matthew fifteen twenty-one. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. Now, that's, that's, that's kind of a very different picture of the Jesus that I was taught in Sunday school. Uh, Jesus didn't respond. You know, if you were to say, hey, what, what should Jesus' response would be? It would be, you know, to love and care and respond and heal the, the person. And uh, in this space, we see Jesus is intentionally silent. And uh, that can be really, really hard. That can be a really, really hard space for people to be in. It can be really hard for Christians to be in. And we're like, hey, praying and this silence. And, and I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm doing all the things that I, I feel like I need to be doing. And, and God isn't, isn't speaking in the way that I want. And the answers are not what I want. And it can be like it's awkward silence. You know, you go into a room and there's that awkward silence and you just sort of, yeah, it can be a space of, I, I, I don't know, God, what do you want me to do? If, if, if my prayer is not getting answered the way I want it and, and God is silent, uh, what do you want me to do? And we can pick up on, on this because it's, it's really important how this Canaanite woman responds. Uh, this, see, the in, silence that Jesus had was intentional. He wasn't ignoring her. He was very intentional in his silence. And a part of it, I think, is that God isn't as interested in responding to the casual inquirer. God, God is wanting people to hunger and thirst after him. Like the God encounters, it's, it's this beautiful picture where Jesus doesn't make the gospel attractive. He doesn't try to sell it. He doesn't try to sell his kingdom. And it's a profound insight for the way the church has been trying to sell Jesus for the last however many thousands of years. We try to make it seem attractive but Jesus is, 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 is sometimes a silence, sometimes the kingdom of God is, is a hard thing to swallow. Sometimes it's offensive. You know, we, we, the Apostle Paul talks about the gospel being offensive. And in a sense, it's, we often try to sell the good sides of Christianity. But the reality is it's, it, it can be really, really hard. In fact, it's the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's a denying yourself, picking up your cross and, and following him is a really, really hard thing to do. But sometimes we try to sell it. We sell it to our kids of like, hey, there's this, this cool thing. There's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing. And it is a great thing. It's the most precious thing ever. But sometimes our approach is we expect it to be just bliss. Butterflies and roses, you know, it's just this beautiful space. And the reality is it's, it's a kingdom. It's a battle. It's a war zone. And uh, that's a reality that often we don't like and we want to move through. But our response is sometimes we're just really casual. Sometimes we're very casual, like um, some of my prayers are like throwing vibes into the sky. Like, here's a vibe, there's a thought, you know, God. Um, but I think God wants us to move beyond happy thoughts and happy places to a place of actually desiring and hungering after him. Hungering, it's a new word. Um, being hungry for him, seeking after him, seeking and desiring his influence in our lives. And, but sometimes our response is silence. And I think the silence there actually generates desire in us to actually seek him out. 
See, God doesn't just want us to casually have Christianity on a side. See, Christianity is a whole, whole mindset change. It changes every part of your living, every part of your life. And a casual inquirer is, isn't about that. So in the next verse, so, uh, so Jesus' disciples thought they'd come and help. How often uh, the, the people try to help God? You know, news, fun fact for you, another one today. Uh, God doesn't need help. Um, he's really good at being God. Uh, but So his disciples came to him. There we go. Oh, I can't even work the clicker. Came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. They think they're trying to help. And um, if, if you're here this morning and you've been hurt by Jesus' followers, um, if I ask you to put your hand up, everyone would put their hand up. Well, like, that's another fun fact. Lots of fun facts this morning. Uh, everyone's hurt by followers of Jesus. It's, a, it's, a, it's not something that we, we like, um, and it's obviously bro- our broken humanity that's that work, but um, it's, often it's the people that are following Jesus that actually uh, make it hard to follow Jesus. I, I still want that shirt. I've, I've said it a few times, the shirt that says, Jesus, uh, God, please save me from your followers. And I, I really want, if you see that, please let me know, because I want to buy it, um, a few copies of it. But it's, it's not beating up the church. It's a reality that, you know, sometimes we as Christians actually drive people away for a whole lot of reasons, um, but uh, that, that it's a reality for us to, to realise um, as, we, as we, we need Jesus more and more. And a church that, that doesn't have active expressions of Jesus is going to be driving people away from him. Um, God save me from your people. Sometimes we look for an excuse. I can give you a thousand excuses not to follow Jesus. A thousand reasons. We're really good in our humanity to come up with reasons for disobeying, for reasons for not believing. Until you experience a genuine encounter with God and it sort of all goes away. As soon as you experience a genuine interaction with God, it changes your reality, reality in such a profound way. But um, yeah, sometimes we look for reasons for not believing. Uh, verse 24, uh, Jesus answered, he said, I was uh, I sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And, and this is a kind of a, a really blunt response like once again Jesus is not trying to um, he's not trying to be popular he's not giving people what they want to hear he's giving them a, a br- brutal assessment this woman's got a desperate de- genuine need and his response is um, I'm not here for you and it's like whoa okay what do we do with that you know so, well, let's keep reading so we don't get stuck on it but um, I think there's a there's a genuine sense that um, that often a breakthrough in our lives is, is actually wanting our change of heart first and foremost. Um, I love this, this. She came and knelt before him and said, Lord, help me. See, often in our prayer life, in our persistence, um, we're persisting in prayer or we're, we're like, keep coming to God. Uh, but the, the real issue that God is actually wanting to address is not us as far as doing things. It's our heart attitude of, are we willing to address Jesus as King Jesus, as our Lord. So I think a lot of our responses to prayer is more about, are we willing to make Jesus our Lord and King in all areas of my life? See, the areas that that God is actively at work in my life are the areas that he's operating as Lord and King in my life. 
If I want Jesus to be my to, to work and to, His Spirit to move inside my marriage, I need to make Him Lord and King of my marriage. And what does that look like? That means submitting and and loving my wife as as Jesus loved the church. And it means it means that I need to make God His priorities, His lordship, Lord of that area of my life. And uh, there's a real practical way of doing this, and we don't really like this. This is another one of those uh, sermons that there's a lot of things that we probably pull away thinking, oh, I didn't, didn't really like that. It was uncomfortable. It made me squirm. Good. Because God encounters often make you squirm. And um, one, of the, one of the spiritual disciplines in life that makes us squirm is, is fasting. And we don't talk about it because, I mean, I love my food. And um, I love my meat specifically, and uh, but there's a there's a reality that in in our fasting is a practical way of establishing Christ's lordship over your life. It's one of the most effective ways of saying, "Hey, I'm willing to deny myself to take hold of your lordship." And this is a key that this Canaanite woman has come three times. She comes to Jesus and say, "Lord." She's a Canaanite. She's not even a, a Jew. She's not even part of that relig- affiliated with that religion. And she establishes lordship. And it's a challenge for us in our prayer life of persistent, faith-filled prayer, of establishing first and foremost that Jesus is actually Lord. So we can say that Jesus is Lord and not listen to him. But lordship, what does lordship look like? It is having him as Lord and King in our lives, practically in every area. Sometimes we give him areas of our lives, like, God, I really stuffed this area up so you can be my Lord of my stuff-ups. But what God is wanting us to be, he wants King Jesus to be Lord of all areas of our lives. It's a condition of my heart ready to accept his lordship. Uh, Verse 26, he replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Now, this seems like a shocking sentence. This is like a, you know, what? It sounds like Jesus is discriminating and he's like, hey, you know, you're not a Jew, so I can't uh, be in that space. But what Jesus is saying, he's not ethnically um, wanting to discriminate. He's saying that his purpose on, on here, on earth, was to, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. This was a fulfilling promises and prophecies that backdated all through Israel history, um, affirmed the promises of Abraham. And so what Jesus was saying, hey, the program is I'm here for Israel. And she's like, well, what about me? And we, we see Jesus respond and heal her daughter. So Jesus is walking outside of the planned program because he saw her faith, he saw, saw her need, and he responded to her courage and conviction. She recognized the program of God to Israel first, and she still persists. It's a really beautiful persistence. Now, I wonder how, how many people in, in our world would have been offended by that statement. If you were on that receiving end of that statement, um, Jesus is like, hey, you know, it's not for you. Um, I think there would have been a lot of, I was going to say woke, but there were a lot, of, a lot of people that were really, really offended by that statement. Uh, and in, in another way, I think that we often get overly offended and we miss what is being said. See, if you're not offended by something that is in the gospel, are you really being challenged and changed? You know, it's the it's offense. We, we should break through. We work, work beyond and realize that sometimes God puts his finger on the spots in our lives that hurt. And because he wants us to change and he wants to transform our lives, and sometimes we respond with an offensive attitude without really responding to the heart of what's causing the offense. 
And uh, this, this woman is, is just in a beautiful way. She's like, you know what? I'm not being offended by this. I'm actually embracing and I'm taking hold of the metaphor of the bread and dogs and I'm going to react and respond according to that. And she responds with Lord. See, a life of persistent faith is not giving in, not giving up. You got this because of the one who has got you. The woman didn't get offended. Jesus didn't paint an easy picture for her to follow. But she broke through and she stayed consistent and faithful. And in our prayer life, if we're struggling with, you know, hey, not getting answers the way I want, or I'm not seeing things come to fruition, there's this persistence that, that builds a deep, under, undergirding faith that sustains us. See, I want a tough faith. I want a faith that's resilient in, in life. And a lot of that is my attitude, that I'm not going to respond firstly to God's people that offend me, because there's going to be a lot of them. Uh, Secondly, I'm not going to give up when God is challenging me. See, when God is challenging your attitudes, and it's usually through other people around you, often our response is like, I don't like that person, rather than pausing and saying, God, why am I triggered? What about this action or attitude has got me riled up? And so putting pause on our offense and reaction and saying, God, I want you to be Lord of my reaction. I want, you to, I want to submit to, to you and I want your reign and your kingdom to operate in my reaction to the situation. And that's a really big concept for us to take hold and apply in our lives. And so we often persist with the wrong understanding of God. And what I mean is, is that um, sometimes we, we, like, we try to justify, we're like, oh, we know God is good. You know, 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So he cares for us. He listens to us, 1 John five fifteen, and we know that he hears us. Uh, we know that he's good. In Psalms 145, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. And we know that he's powerful. Ephesians six twenty. finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. And so... To, to not be insane, this is what my mind goes, and so track with me, it's a little bit confusing in my own mind, but God is good, he is all-powerful, he cares, he loves, he listens to us, so why are my prayers not being answered? Oh, too early in the morning for a hard question, Sam. Uh, it, but it's a good question, and, and so to not go insane, I'm like, maybe, maybe it's not God. Maybe it's me. And there's a trap in that and it's dangerous in going to that space see we we don't need to persuade god to be good sometimes in our prayer life i'm like god you see this need why don't you operate in this place who's tried that for persuading god to be good he is good it's his character he doesn't need persuading to be good he he loves us his his heart is for people he loves people he doesn't need persuading and so in my approach of prayer it's not about telling god to be god or to do a better job of being god Uh, That's not my response. My response is, hey, you are God. But it puts me in a spot of I don't sometimes know how to pray. Maybe maybe that's you. You, You've sort of done this mind juggle. The danger is here is that we, we look at it's about us. So we persist in our prayer life, not for performance. So we're not trying to perform in a space of persistence. There's a really cool story, if you've, you've got uh, time this week, First Kings uh, 18, and we, we still hear the story of Elijah. And it's a, this a prophet, uh, Elijah, has this massive confrontation, a big battle, big wars scene, 
um, with the um, prophets of Baal, which is like a um, secular god. And picture the scene, like there's people of Israel, so hundreds of thousands, millions of, pe- of, of Israelites gathered, and there's a big contest between two kind of leaders. You've got Elijah, who's wanting to follow God, and you've got the prophets of Baal, who want to encourage Israel into Baal. If you haven't read the story, it's a great story. But this is the Sam Snapshot version. And um, so the, um, Elijah's like, hey, um, let's, let's, let's see whose God is real. And the 450 prophets of Baal are like, yeah, let's, let's bring it on. And uh, so they, they create an altar, they stack stones up and they put wood on it and they put a, a, an animal on it and they're like, hey, um, the God who brings down fire from heaven, that's the one we're going to serve as the nation of Israel. And uh, so, so they do that. And so um, Elijah is sitting in his lounge chair uh, with a stubby. No, um, Baptist, that's right. Um, or, uh, orange juice. And he's watching and he's like, hey, guys. Um, and, he's, he's, and he's mocking them. And, and these, these prophets of, uh, of Baal are like, we can make this happen. We can motivate our God. We can make our God do our things. And they sort of started to treat um, their, their version of God like an elephant trying to perform in the circus and a little, big, little ball and a big elephant trying to balance on it. And like, we can make this happen on our efforts. And, um, and Elijah is sitting there mocking them. He's like, hey, you guys, maybe you should try a little bit harder. And um, like, if, if there's one scene I'd love to be at, it's this one. In all the Bible, this is just like, anyway, it's, it's, it's huge. Um, and, and so they try harder. They actually start cutting themselves and they start going into a frenzy. They're working themselves into a frenzy. And um, Elijah's just like, hey, you know, um, when you're finished, uh, let me have my turn. And so they sort of get, reached a point of absolute desperation and, and Elijah's like, all right, guys, just stop. You've, you're making yourself look silly. Um, and he just said, hey, hey God, uh, time to, to, you know, can you, can you work in this space? And God spent fire down from heaven and burnt up the altar and the water that was drenched in the valleys around it and the sacrifice, all gone. And it's just huge display in front of all the people of Israel. And, and Israel responded and like, hey, that's our God we, we, we serve. He is real, he's, he's, he's relevant, and he's powerful. Beautiful picture. How do we see ourselves in that story? Are we Elijah? It's like, oh you know, mocking the other people who are trying. Well, sometimes. Uh, are, are, we, are we the hero of the story? Are we the nation of Israel that are watching this huge, big display of power? We're sitting back and like, oh, we're undecided. We're like, you know, waiting for God's power to be revealed before we follow. I would suggest that there's another group that we are like, and we are like the prophets of Baal in a sense that we often try to manipulate God to be God. And we try harder. And, you know, like in our prayer life, it's banging the head against the wall. We're like, God, you know, um, why, why are we not seeing breakthrough? Why are we not seeing things come together? And we're like, oh, mate, we're getting ourselves into a bit of a frenzy. Um, I remember um, in grade, grade 10 at um, my school on the Gold Coast, and uh, we had a prayer group, and it was, it was a great group. Before school, we used to meet and um, we, we got ourselves this idea that we're going to bring uh, revival to the school. And, um, and so we tried. We tried to bring revival. And funny that, hey, looking back, I'm like, what are you thinking, Sam? And, and, and we, would, we would try things. We'd do things differently. We were like, we're, our heart was right. 
But we were trying to force God to be God and to, and to work in a space. And God had a plan and he was at work. He was, see, sometimes we confuse not seeing God at work with God being apathetic or inactive. He's very active, but not in the way that we necessarily want. And, and so we were trying to convince this group to, to bring revival to the school. And we're like, hey, good, good thing to happen. But it's the, the things that we started to go to. It's that, the danger that it's, it's performance. Maybe if I try hard, if I'd be better. Maybe it's a morality thing. I need to remove all bad things in my life, all distractions. And, and it's a dangerous path that goes down. Like the monks uh, throughout the Middle Ages went to this ascetic lifestyle in, in a crazy obsession of trying to be good enough to make God work, that he's going to be impressed to work in their lives. And it's a lie, church. There's nothing you can do to, to mobilize God. He doesn't need manipulating. He doesn't need persuading. He needs our lordship. He needs us to say, oh, I, I want you to be lord and king over my life and give him room to move. And that, that gives him room to move in the way that he wants to move, not in the way that I expect him to move. But it's just the persistence of turning up, of keep turning up. And it's a, there's a... I'll put it there. There we go. We need to develop as a church a talent for turning up and tuning in. And I think there's a talent for being stubborn. And I don't mean stubborn in a sense of, um, you know, uh, I'm going to be really offensive to everyone, but in a sense that I, I need to, to have a faith that's persistent, that keeps turning up to God, to keep turning up to his things, to see the breakthrough, not trying to t- twist or distort or work in human ways to make God do the things that I think God needs to be doing. But I keep turning up to, to time with him in the mornings. And I really encourage us as a church to develop routines and habits of our day to make time to turn up for God, make time to to invest and to be there. The Canaanite woman, she persisted. She had every reason to not, but she persisted. She kept turning up and God saw that faith and he answered her. So it's just so we're clear, we're not trying to make God be God but we want to be in a space that God can operate in our lives. And that is, involves turning up, being involved and connected in what he's doing. So we, don't, we shouldn't need to say, hey, come to church, church. Like, it, it's a heart response. I want to be here because I want to be a part of what God is doing. I want to be a part of his people. I want to be a part of his presence. And I want to, want to see Victoria Point. I want to see Redlands, Mount Cotton, these, these places come to know him. I want to see the influence of God spread into our world and to bring peace and healing. So as much as I pray for peace in Ukraine, I know that the only peace that's going to come is through God's presence in people's lives as he takes away the hurt, the pain, the bitterness. That is, a, that is what I d- desire for my own life, is that I'll be a conduit of peace, of God's presence and his spirit at work. But it takes a persistence of just turning up sometimes. And I encourage us, in your prayer, if you're not getting things answered the way you want, don't try and change things to manipulate God. I do that. Don't try and change how you do it. But just establish that he is Lord and continue to listen to your spirit's leading in your life. See, the big principle here is is that um, God puts things on our heart to pray about. He doesn't always put things on our heart to pray about that they're going to be answered in the way or a time frame we want. But it's a place of be persistent prayer, warriors. Be persistent. Uh, My my nana, 
Um, she's no longer here on earth, but she prayed for me as a kid every single day. Every single day, she would get up and pray for me. And, and I don't know the influence and impact on that. She doesn't know, but I've seen God work in my life in an incredible way. And I'm, I'm gr- so grateful for the persistent people in my life that have committed. She might have been thinking, oh, gee, God, I'm not seeing Sam develop into this beautiful boy because I was a little... Um, annoying boy. I'm just trying to find a nice words, appropriate words in that space. She might not have been seeing the fruit, but she was persistent. And my mum and dad continually pray for me every day. And I want to be a church that responds in that way. I want to pray for my kids every day. Be persistent, not for seeking change, not for seeking results, because sometimes we can be outcome focused in our prayer, but it's more about the output than the outcome. God wants us to be prayers Uh, not necessarily trying to direct how the prayers are answered. And that's a temptation we face today. The world is more hostile to Christ, and the temptation is that we think we need to work harder, pray harder, do things better. It's not true. We need to respond. We need him to be our Lord and King more. That is is part of the the response. Jesus, be my Lord and King. And respond to his Spirit's leading. It's really simple. Hear and obey. Response is not about trying to work itself into a frenzy. Uh, develop a, a talent for turning up and tuning into what he has in your life. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else is given unto us. It's a principle in life that is so profound. There's a, there's a principle here that one of the best uh, scientific predictors for how children turn out in terms of happiness, academic success, leadership skills, and meaningful relationships, is whether at least one adult in their life has consistently shown up for them. It's the biggest predictor of a child's success if they have an adult who just keeps showing up. Biggest, and that's why we do Kids Hope. Kids Hope is adults going into state school and, and just turning up. Like I, The last two years has been such a profound blessing for me, going into Vicky Point Primary and meeting this, my, my student and just being there. You know? and, and I wish I could share his story. I can't. But there's so much that he's had going on in his life to just be consistent and turn up for him, places uh, uh, himself in a space of transformation. And it's the same for our lives just turning up to the things of God, places in a, in a space of transformation, turning up for what God is doing and calling us to. So this is not a call to say, hey, come to church more. Not saying that. It might be part of the response. But what is God wanting you to turn up for? Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's time with him. Maybe it's intimacy. Maybe it's sharing your faith across the fence. But what is God calling us to as a church to turn up for? And are we being obedient? That's, that's the beauty of persistence. We persist in God. We don't get easily knocked around. And, and, and we, see, we see in our world a, an expression of Christianity that's wishy-washy. We see an expression of Christian, Christianity that's so easily upset. We see people who are highly, easily offended all the time. We see people who sort of don't really know. They don't have a grounding. They don't have a solid foundation You see, I can persist in my faith because God is constant, because I know he's good, he's always good. I don't need to try and change him, but I persist and I continue in him because when I persist, I place myself in a space of transformation in my own life. And it's an invitation for God to change and work through me. Transformation happens in our lives when we sit at the feet of Jesus. It's an attitude to be active 
as a part of his kingdom. Peter walked on water. That was his faith. He, he had faith in Jesus that he could walk on water. And so um, he said, Jesus, if that's you, can I come to you? And he's, Jesus was like, yes, come. And so he started walking. See, faith got him out of the boat, trusting God. And, and faith, it was faith that let him down. You know, Jesus is like, hey, you have little faith. Uh, didn't you trust me? See, faith is something we grow and develop. And it's by persistence in our faith that we grow and develop our faith. It's not about, hey, getting the answers I want in the time frame I want and the way that I want them to look. But it's consistently, persistently showing up and saying, God, I, this world's a mess, but I'm going to keep coming to you because you're the only good thing that there is. You're the best thing that there is. And when I get a glimpse of that kingdom value, it changes everything. Uh, Jesus said in verse 28, sorry, I'm closing, I'm getting there. Um, I just get excited. Uh, Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus was drawing out a deep faith and a beautiful kingdom expression of of a God who loves the other nations. And he's responded and, and this woman was, you know, wanting to engage in God in, in a way um, that she established him as lordship. She submitted, she bowed, she bowed, she bowed, bowed to me, <laughs> um, and she recognized his lordship and responded. And Jesus saw her faith and responded in kind. And so as a church, we, we need to understand that faith is not a commodity that we try to get enough faith to make God do his thing. It would be very easy to try and see faith as a commodity. Faith is something we develop and grow. It's a trust in God, in his unfailing, unshakable kingdom reign in our lives. See, am I worried about the state of the church in Australia? Yes and no. In a human sense, I'm like, ah, um, people are sort of, it's, it's a changing landscape. But I'm not worried because the church is always God. It always has been God's. And I'm, I can have confidence you know, for 2,000 years, um, nations and governments have been trying to crush Christianity. And it's just such a profound miracle that the church is as strong as it is today, and it's growing. But would we be a church that continues to persist and grow and continue to draw near to him? Uh, God challenged me to be more than just a casual inquirer. That I'm not just casually inquiring the things of God but I persist and grow a deep, resilient, robust, unshakable faith. Uh, Lord, would you be my king? Kingship is such a profound place that helps us understand how we be persistent. God, would you address the lordship issues and control issues I have in my life? Lord, help me to persist in my marriage. Lord, help me with my, persist in my desires. Lord, would you change my desires of my heart? Would you transform me? Lord, would you be Lord over my attitudes, my reactions, my responses, the, the offense that I take to people? Lord, I, I want you to be Lord of that. And so my response is brought into line with what you would have for me. See, would I see prayer not as a means to get my kingdom to come, but as an invitation to participate in what God is already doing? See, there's a better definition of, ins- a better definition of insanity And a better definition of insanity that I like is not recognizing God's kingdom as significantly more valuable than my own. That's insane. God's kingdom is 
such a glorious, incredible thing. And when we realize that, we persist in meeting with him to see it be brought into fruition. Matthew thirteen forty four. in closing, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and brought that field. This is the kingdom that we're called to be a part of. That should excite us. What an amazing privilege to be brought in and called sons and daughters of God. I don't need to try and make God be God. I'm simply responding. And as God puts things on my heart, I pray for them. And in in my last thought, closing thought, is this. Is that God will continually, the closer I walk with God, the more times that God will put things on my heart for me to respond to. And so as I journey in my faith walk, God will continually put things and people for me to pray for. And let's be spirit-led believers. We let the Holy Spirit lead and guide our conversations, lead and guide our, during work, in every areas of our life, that we simply hear God's voice and respond in obedience. Uh, Let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you are God. Thank you that you are good, that you are powerful, that you're holy, that you're righteous, that you care. Thank you that you listen to us. Lord, would you remind us this morning that it's not about us trying to do more or us trying to change you, but simply us being a part of what you're already doing. So Lord, would you help us and remind us and encourage us to be faithful in turning up to you, that we would keep turning up to where you have us, that we'd stay in that place of transformation, that we stay in a place where you are willing and wanting to mould us after your son's likeness. So, Lord, thank you for this challenge this morning, Lord. May we not be offended by this word, but would we press in and allow your Holy Spirit to apply it to our lives. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.